Happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm not just saying that, I really am. I want to take you all back to where it all started. You see, it all started with a lie. Are you with me, family? And the title for our sermon is The Truth That Frees, Unveiling the Root Cause of Sin and the Father of Lies. And with those words, I want to invite you to pray just one last time with me. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Jesus, we are so thankful, Father. We're so thankful to be here. And I just know that you want to do something so special here. You already have. And Lord, I ask that you hide me behind the cross, that others can just see you and not me, and that your words can be placed upon my tongue, upon my mouth, so that everyone may hear you and not myself. In Jesus' name, amen. So Eve's walking around, and all of a sudden, she runs into this talking snake. Now, now I know it might seem kind of crazy, especially if you didn't grow up with the Bible and you're starting to read these stories of these sort of what you might think mythical creatures, right? But I just want you to think for one second. You're walking around Baker Park or your community, wherever you walk around, and all of a sudden you see some sort of talking animal. Wouldn't you pause and, <laughs> and just be like, whoa, okay, this, this thing is talking to me, right? And in the story, there, in the Bible, there's a few stories about talking animals, so it's quite interesting. But Eve gets to this tree. She's just looking around, and all of a sudden, she, she hears this voice, and it's beautiful. Uh, the picture here shows this snake, but I imagine it being a beautiful snake. I imagine it having some sort of eloquence as it's speaking, and Eve is uh, enticed. She's enraptured by the words that this serpent, this snake, is, is sharing with her. And it tells her, hey, can't you eat out of every tree in the garden? And she's like, yeah, but not this one. Because God says that as soon as we eat it, we can't even touch it, we're going to die. And that serpent says, you're not going to die you will not surely die. And here was the first lie. But you see, before that, the, the serpent was very wise in the sense that it was laying out a question, but it was implying something behind that question when it said, didn't God say you could eat out of every tree in the garden? Are you following me? Has that ever happened to you when someone just asks you something, but they're implying something behind that question? <laughs> and depending how it's used, it can help you to come to a realization, or it can also be a sense of implanting something within your mind. <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> and he tells her, he says, because God knows, here's why he doesn't want you to eat out of the tree, because God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what was this snake telling Eve? He wasn't telling her to become like God. He was telling her to be God. And you see, there's a difference because we want to become like God in the sense of his characteristics. We want to become more loving, forgiving. At least I do, right? Amen? We want to become more patient, But that's not what the serpent was telling Eve. It was telling her to become her own God. And that's the key point here that I want us to really think about. He wanted her to become God by taking God's place and deciding for herself what was best for her life. Have you ever been there? I won't, I won't jump ahead, but <laughs> have you ever been there? And so now Eve decides to, she's like, yeah, like this is, this is true. Like God's, God, is, God is lying to me because he doesn't want to become, he doesn't want me to become like him. I have to decide what's best for myself. And right now, this fruit is looking real good. And Eve takes the fruit and she's like, wow, this tastes really good. She feels empowered. Nothing happens. She, she doesn't feel any sort of, uh, of sense of decay or weakness. She's fine. She feels empowered instead. And the question is, why did Eve decide to do that? And I touched on it a bit. But she believed that God was a liar at that point that he didn't want the best for her. Are you following my train of thought? She believed that God was selfish and that God was holding out on her. And I don't know if there's moments in your life where you're going through something challenging and and you feel like God's just holding out blessings for your life. Like Like why am I still going through this, God? Why can't you just take this out? You have the power to to, to just take this out of my life, can't you? And I'll ask you again, have you ever been there? You might be there today. And so the behavior was to perform. To try and, and be more than who she was created to be. That was the lie that Eve believed because the serpent told her, you can become God, now Eve had to perform. Now Eve believed that she was made to be more than who she was created to be. And you'll know why I'm smiling later on throughout this message. I'll tell you why. But I want to keep moving forward. Why the lies? Because that serpent, the Bible tells us, was actually Satan, the devil, And in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says, He has always hated the truth. 
because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In other words, why the lies? There's nothing else Satan can do but lie. That, that it's just within him. That's all he can do. That's it. The father of lies. It all started with him. And I, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but when you actually look at, at Lucifer's story and how he became the devil, he actually believed as well that he was created to be more than he, he, he was made to be. Are you with me? He wanted to be who? God. And so this same lie that, that apparently worked for him and, and in his mind freed him to the truth, now he used with Eve. And, and, I, and I just wonder, <laughs> I usually don't stutter, I don't know why I'm stuttering today. I wonder if he's using that same lie with us today. But why the lies? Because Satan understands something that the Bible lays out very clearly. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, the Bible isn't talking about your, your heart here, the organ. It's talking about your mind, your soul, what you believe, what you think about. So simply, what that means is that our beliefs, our thoughts, shape who we are. Does that make sense? And Satan understood that. And I wonder if we have believed any of his lies. What if we have? Do we realize it? Hmm. And Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. So Jesus talking to the Pharisees, there are these big religious leaders, highly influential, and they've made over 600 other laws about things that, they, that the Jews have to do in order to worship and serve God. And one of those things were like washing your hands right before you ate. You couldn't touch a Roman soldier because then you would be defiled. I mean, it was all these ridiculous things. And Jesus is telling them, listen, what defiles you, what makes you evil or what makes you bad is not what you do from the outside. It's what's inside. Are you with me? And he said, what's inside that corrupts us is our evil thoughts. And you see, it's, it's just like a tree. A mango tree can't produce lemons. <laughs> a mango tree can't make apples. It is what it is. Are you with me? <laughs> and, and we're kind of like this tree. We have our belief system here that our thoughts, it's our root system that creates the, help me out, what is this called here? The trunk, there you go. That creates our emotions or our feelings, right? And then our actions is the fruit. Are you with me? And the amazing thing with us, though, is that we have something called neuroplasticity. In other words, we can change who we are. We can change certain bad habits 
behaviors that we have that are unhealthy because our brain can make new neural pathways or new roads that can make us a different person. I'm here standing before you today because of God creating neuroplasticity. Seven years ago, I was selling drugs. I was addicted to drugs. I'm literally not to boast about myself because it's all about what God can do, not what I could do. I tried to stop so many times and I couldn't. And it was literally God's power in my life to change me. But I am a miracle. And it's, it's because, only because of God. And so the devil understood that if we believed the lie about ourselves, about God, that would show in our feelings and our behavior. Amen? Yes? And it's so interesting that one of my favorite authors, Ellen G. White, in, in, in one of her books, Volume 5, Testimonies for the Church, she said, if the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. And the thoughts and the feelings combined make up the moral character. Your moral character is just what you do day by day, your habits, your actions, your behavior. And, sorry, I get really excited because I love cognitive behavioral therapy and it's a fairly new therapy that came out in the 1900s and it's just so amazing because they found that it's been so effective for a a myriad of, of mental health disorders And it's incredible that the concept behind CBT is just simply that your beliefs, your thoughts create your feelings and your behavior. And that was in the Bible. (laughs) Didn't you see that in Proverbs? Did you see when Jesus said that your thoughts create, in other words, your behavior? (laughs) It's amazing because in reality, science is just catching up with what the Bible has already shared with us. We, I met this guy yesterday at H&M, and I had my Binge Jesus shirt on from The Chosen, and he was, a, he was a young guy, 21 years old. He came up to me, and he's like, hey, man, I like your shirt. And I was like, oh, you know, do you, do you, are you a Christian? And he's like, yeah. And we just started talking together, and he was just telling me, like, it's so nice to see that there's other people that aren't afraid to show that God is like real. (laughs) And we live in a world today, I'm not trying to sidetrack right now, but we live in a world today where we ask ourselves, what is truth? Because there's so many sources in the world that are telling us that they are the truth. And he was telling me, I figured out that God's word is timeless truth. If, if you have a question to your life, to who you are, whatever it is, it's here. At least the principle of it is here. So I want you to hold on to that. <laughs> I hope you can really hold on to that. And Satan knew that if he could get us to believe his lies, we would then have a false identity. It's not truly who we are. It's not who God created us to be, but we believe ourselves to be that. It's a false identity. And to tell you the truth, that's why I was doing drugs. That's why I was trying to numb my pain and escape the reality that was around me. It was a false identity. I believed that that was all I was created to be and to do. And it's incredible because or it's interesting, rather, 
Because at this point in my life, it's so easy for me to just judge other people that I might see out on the streets that are alcoholics or addicted. But in reality, this happens to people that are high, eminent people within society. And they also have a false identity. Because whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, you're wealthy and you have a great business, aren't we all in the same place if we don't have God? And I believe that we can only find our true identity, at least that was true for me, and I believe it is for, for you as well. We can only find it in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want you to really pay attention to this quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want to let that just soak in a little bit. Because the reality is, is that what we believe or who we believe God to be is always connected to who we believe ourselves to be. Now, what do I mean by that? Our view of God is the foundation of our entire worldview, and it shapes our thoughts, feelings, and actions in every way. And that's going to become a little bit clearer as we move forward. But I want you to catch on to this key point, okay? What you believe, who you believe God to be, is going to shape your entire worldview, how you see others and how you see yourself. Are you with me? And just keep an open mind right now. I know that might sound a little bit crazy or, or just extreme, but just keep an open mind right now. Just hear me out. So let's go back to Eve. She believes that God is selfish and that God's a liar, right? Why else would she do what she did? Are you with me? So what are, what are her beliefs about herself? Well, I have to decide what is best for myself because now God doesn't have the best in mind for me. Are you with me? What else? I have to provide and protect myself. Because when you place yourself in God's place, what is God's position? What is his like what is his position supposed to be in our lives? Our protector, our provider, our comforter? Are you with me? And it's not that other people can't become that, but they're secondary to God. Are you with me? But here Eve is placing herself as number one. Yeah? So now she has to do it. So Eve is becoming her own God. And she has to perform, once again, I'll repeat, to try and be more than who she was created to be. Don't you think that's a heavy load to carry? If God's eternal, you could put God on, on a... On a uh, on a scale, what do you call those things? I know it's the simplest things that I forget. The, uh, when you weigh yourself. Scale. The, yeah, okay, the scale. Okay, I was right. Thank you, guys. You really didn't help me out that much, but... Except Danielle. She was here. Thank you. <laughs> if you were to put God on that scale, it would be like... Zzzz. Like, there's no way to break it. You can't weigh God. Like, here Eve is trying to carry this huge weight on her back. It's too much. And that's what happens to us when we perform. And I'll get to that in a second. So here's the temptation. Here, here's how it works out for us. He tempts us to believe lies 
about who God is and about who we are. And now the behaviors to perform and try to be more than who we were created to be. And, and I'm going to break that down a little bit more. What are we trying to do? The problem with performance is that it crushes us under the weight of trying harder to do what we are already unable to do. Now, what is that? It's the weight of trying to be someone that you're not. Someone that you want everyone else to see. Like long before COVID, we were all wearing masks. I'm just going to be real. I was wearing masks. What do I mean by that? We show up to our jobs, we show up to church, we show up to our immediate family or to whoever we meet as who we want them to see us. To see us as. <laughs> I don't want to step on any toes, but <laughs> there's a purpose behind all of this. And that's, a, that's an incredible weight to just carry upon your back when you're just trying to be perfect. You're showing up to church and you just want to act like you got everything together or you show up to your job and you want to act like you have everything together. <laughs> and the reality is, is that we all have problems. We're not always going to have it together and it's okay to not be okay at times. Are you with me, church? And it's the way of people-pleasing. We just want others to accept us. And this is what's happening to Eve. It seems a little different because Eve didn't live in a society, but now we can see what would have happened because the same thing that occurred to Eve is happening to us. And so we carry this huge weight. And my question is, what if we could just show up as our true selves in Christ? Amen. Steve, I know you'd like that question. Because <laughs> Steve's a great coach. He's, asked, he's like, just, what if you could just show up as your authentic self, Angelo? <laughs> and what if we could just show up as our true selves in Christ? How would your life change? What if you could just show up and say, you know, it's not a happy Sabbath for me. I'm going through stuff. Is that okay? We don't have to feel like we always have to put on a mask. We can be real because it's okay to not be okay. I'm going to repeat that again. There's going to be moments for that. And what are we missing out on if we don't? A lot, everything. Here are a few things that I thought about for myself it cuts me off from being real and authentic with others, ourselves, myself, and with God. Because here's the other part. Depending on how you see God, depending on how you were raised or what happened in church and in religion, do you feel like you have to be perfect for God? Do you feel like you just have to show up and kind of make this beautiful prayer for him and just act like everything is okay? And in my story, I've, I've felt like that. But the reality is, is that in Psalms, David is angry, he's happy, he's sad. And he's expressing all of that to God. He's being 100% real and authentic with God. 
And, and how would your life change if we could just do that? Just be so sincere with God. Just tell him that we're angry, that we hate this person. You know, in Psalms 109, David's going, David's going off. He's like, I want to kill this dude. I want to wipe out his past generation. Why did his parents even have him? Read it in Psalms 109. I encourage you to do so. David is, is that's not a good word to use, but he's like really mad. He's really, really angry. What else does this cut us off from? For me, at least, it cuts me off from having intimate connections with others, myself and with God, because I feel like I can't show who I truly am. Are you following my train of thought? And it doesn't matter how young or how old we are, this is the reality. We're trying to be someone that we were not created to be. And how would your life change if you could come to God with all your imperfections and realize that He loves you unconditionally? Because I think in my own life, that was my greatest fear is that if I showed who I truly was, then maybe they wouldn't like me. Maybe they would reject me. Maybe they wouldn't accept me. But what if there was someone that no matter how imperfect you saw yourself to be, still loved you unconditionally? How would your life change? And here's the truth that, that can set us free from our lives. The gospel is all about receiving, not doing. Oh, come on, family. We should have, that should have been like an amen all around. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. Especially if you come from a place where my background, where I was taught as a kid that to be a Christian, I have to not do bad things and always do the good things. Do you know how freeing it is to realize that it's all about receiving and not doing? And what do I mean by that? Receiving Christ's true identity for you. Amen. Receiving His power to overcome sin. Amen. Now it's not about what I can do to overcome these bad habits. It's about what Jesus has already done 2,000 years ago that can give me today. Amen. That's what it's about. It's not about trying to do things in my own strength because the reality is I can't. We can do it. But with Christ, we can do all things. Amen. And that's really what the gospel is all about. I'm going to go back to it. It's about receiving, not doing. Amen. I, like if there's something that I want you to grab onto, it's that. This is what the gospel is. Receiving his forgiveness. There's a, there was a famed psychiatrist that walked into a mental health ward and he said that over close to 80% of his patients there would be healed and freed if they only realized that they were forgiven. Can, can I be real with you guys? I mess up. I mess up. Even when I know all this stuff in the Bible, I mess up. And do you know how often I need God's forgiveness? Because the reality is, is that maybe someone else, as far as a human or an individual, they won't forgive me. But you know what? God is always willing to forgive you. No matter what you've done, 
You don't have to walk around with guilt and shame. He's ready and so willing to take that guilt and shame and replace it with his love and forgiveness. And I'm not just saying that as, as like an intellectual like knowledge. I'm saying that as an experience. I've felt it. And here's the other truth that will set you free. It can set you free if you only receive it. You are loved for who you are, not for what you do. And I don't know if you have any relationships in your life where it's a transactional relationship. You have to do something for someone else and they do something back for you. And it feels as if you're sort of just cared or or liked by this person because of what you do and not because of who you are. But it's not like that with God. He loves you because of just who you are. (laughs) Because of just of who you are, that's it. It's not about you do, it's because of who you are. And how does the belief, this is a really good question, at least it was for me, how does the belief that God loves you unconditionally impact your current belief system? Here's the other great question. How would your life change if you were free from feeling like you have to be the great protector and provider for yourself. And how would your life change knowing that God is there to help you in all your efforts? For me, it's so freeing That I'm not the only one that has to make my life work. (laughs) That I have to make certain things just work. God's behind all my efforts and he's blessing everything that I do, everything that you're doing. And I want to tell you, God's proud of you. God's so proud of you. He sees when you wake up and how long you work and all that you do and God's proud of you. Just let that settle into your mind and into your belief system. God loves you. He sees all that you do. Your spouse might not see it. Your best friends might not see it. Your brother, your sister might not see it. Your immediate family might not see it. But guess what? God sees all your effort. And he's proud of you. He really is. And if you forget everything about this message, I want you to hold on to these two key points. God loves you unconditionally. Church, can you say amen? amen. My, my, my younger, my younger uh, folks out here, my younger crowd out here, you guys are going to run into so many people that will not love you unconditionally. My older folks here know what I'm talking about. And if I just knew when I was younger that there was always someone that I could go to for all my problems and that they wouldn't judge me or criticize me or try to fix me and love me unconditionally, my life would have been so different. So I want you to hold on to that. God loves you unconditionally. And the last point here is that your true identity is found in Him.
Thank you for listening.